Hello, I'm Dr. Ishan, a board-certified sleep psychologist. Do you know there is a group of people they naturally go to bed really late and get up late? When they struggle with waking up in the morning, a lot of times other people may comment them as lazy. You may not know that this actually could be a type of sleep disorder. So today we have Dr. Sarah Silverman. She is a Stanford-trained behavioral sleep medicine specialist, holistic sleep wellness consultant, and insomnia expert with over a decade of experience. So she will walk us into this world of delayed sleep phase syndrome (DSPS), and she will share with us some of her personal experiences dealing with this sleep challenge. Before we get started, please subscribe to our email newsletter at deepintosleep.co. You can get most updated, newest sleep knowledge and sleep science from us. Now let's welcome Dr. Silverman. A lot of you have been asking me for insomnia treatment options, so I want to let you know I have launched an insomnia treatment course. It's a very structured and effective treatment program with a lot of clinical evidence support. So one course is in Chinese and one is in English. You can find it at deepintosleep.co/insomnia. Hi, Dr. Silverman. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. Hello, hello. Hi, doctor. Thank you for having me. So excited! I know we've been knowing each other for years now. <laughs> I know, I know, for so long, and I, I think we we first connected while at Stanford. You know, during when I was there for fellowship, and I think you were there、um, also getting some some training too. So yes, we we go back. It's always great to connect with you and to talk all things sleep. Yeah, so excited! I remember back then when we were both studying in Stanford. You mentioned it was hard for you to get up early in the morning.、Um, so I'm curious. I never really had this conversation with you about what made you enter the sleep world at the beginning. Yes, yes. So at a very early age, I definitely learned that I was a night owl. And growing up, I always had difficulty waking up in the morning. So waking up for school, and then of course that translated to waking up for work at later, you know, as a graduate student and as an adult. And you know, one of the main reasons for that now that I know what I know is for having what we call a delayed sleep phase, and it's actually a circadian rhythm disorder. And that is one of the main reasons for why it was a struggle during、uh, fellowship to be able to get up. And the irony of all of this is, you know, as a sleep specialist, not being able to wake up or struggling to wake up, and then having to, you know, go to clinic and provide sleep treatment to others. So, you know, it is something where we live in a nine to five society. And for those who are night owls, but not even just being a night owl, but actually having a delayed circadian phase, it is such a struggle to be able to wake up at that desired time or at a time that society deems appropriate to wake up. So, with that delayed sleep phase 
syndrome, or it is also referred to as a circadian rhythm disorder, delayed sleep phase type. It is where your body's internal clock is delayed by several hours later than what is considered, say, a normal sleep schedule. So for example, um, most people have, say, an 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. sleep window, or maybe a 10 to 6, something like that. For someone who has a biological delayed circadian phase, that usually means that that individual doesn't get sleepy, doesn't feel ready to fall asleep until usually after two in the morning. But I've seen, you know, in clinical practice, I've seen individuals who have a schedule like 4 a.m. to 12 p.m. or, you know, their sleep window is shifted hours later than, you know, a typical sleep schedule. Yeah. Wow. So sounds like it could be really delayed, right? This is something I feel like people don't talk a lot. Um, when you mention the night owl, so sounds like it's different than typical night owl because I sometimes view myself as a night owl too, but uh, I, I can sleep like 12 or 1. And uh, I prefer to sleep in a little bit in the morning. But if I have to get up super early to see clients, I can still force myself to do it. But sometimes it's just painful. But once I wake up, I'm super alert. I'm, I'm okay. I can I, I somehow can shift my schedule much easier. But sounds like for you, the delayed circadian phase is slightly different. It sounds like much more delayed and it's really hard to adjust. It absolutely is incredibly difficult to adjust. And there are some people who consider themselves to be night owls, but they are able to be flexible and they can adjust to their schedule if they need to. For someone who truly has a delayed sleep phase, it is really difficult to be able to adjust and, you know, even wake up an hour earlier, you know, uh, even that can be really challenging. And so, yeah, I have to say being a night owl is, of course, it, it can still be challenging for some folks, but having a delayed sleep phase, I would say is it's a lot more debilitating. And I say that because it is actually considered a neurological condition, not a psychological or mental health condition. It's, it's a neurological condition because there is a shift in the timing of the internal body clock. So while, yes, there are some similarities and there's some overlap between being a night owl and having a delayed sleep phase, I would say having a true intrinsic delayed phase, it is, it can be incredibly um, challenging for folks. Right. And now think about our society, right? The typical work hours. It was like the, the society is really have bias against people who um, really find this sleep phase challenging. Then what do people do if this, uh, like you mentioned, it's a neurological problem, uh, difficulties? So that means it's not something easily use our willpower to overcome, right? Then how right. can these group of people really try to fit into the typical uh, social standard and work standard? It's hard. 
It's hard. There isn't a cure Mm. for this condition. Um, What we know is that there are ways we can manage the condition. And what I will say is it's very hard for someone who has normal sleep to understand what it's like to have a delayed phase. So, you know, the classic advice of, oh, just go to bed earlier. (laughs) That is never going to work for someone who truly has a delayed sleep phase because you're just not ready to fall asleep if you try to go to bed earlier. So yes, I think our society is so accustomed to this nine to five framework and that doesn't align with folks who, you know, really have a sleep schedule that doesn't fit into that mold. So it does make it incredibly challenging to manage, but it is possible to manage. And there are certainly a couple things that I've tried over the years on a personal note. And then there are things that I have, you know, recommended to my clients who have also come to clinic thinking that they have another sleep disorder like insomnia, because that is actually can be very similar, but we actually find that they have this delayed phase. And so one of the, I would say, well, I will say that we actually don't have a set protocol or a set treatment for treating this because everyone and their phase is so different and so unique. And so it really does require usually a combination of strategies to come up with a plan that's going to make sense for that individual. I know for me, what I have tried over the years and what has worked for me, I would say the the biggest thing is actually being able to have flexibility in my job. Mm-hmm. So I knew from you know the start of graduate school all the way until I you know received my my doctorate that one day I needed to be able to set my own hours because that really would be the only way that I could sleep in my natural window and not have to wake up you know at a time that others consider to be normal so that for me was huge and so that of course has led me to pursuing my own private practice and now actually my own consulting practice where I pick my hours and I'm able to sleep in my window, which by the way, is typically about 2.30 to 10.30, 11, something like that. So, you know, as you can imagine over the years, especially working in health and sleep in sleep medicine, having to wake up sometimes at six or seven in the morning to be at work was absolute torture. It was so miserable. So now, you know, especially in the past couple of years, I cannot tell you how much better I feel now that I'm able to prioritize my biological sleep window, sleep in that window, and be able to have that flexibility with my schedule. Wow, that's awesome. Because um, I know, right, when, when we study all the knowledge, and a lot of time we do encourage people try to sleep as close to their biological window as possible, because that's a good thing if you can do that. And also, I think for uh, people with this condition, 
it's not just the window shift that when to what time from what time to what time they sleep. I think it's energy level of also shift, right? It's not like they sleep through the best time of their day. Uh, I think for you, possibly you are super productive and uh, creative in the late afternoon or even evening time. So it's just different than other people. It is so different. And you bring up a good point because when you can sleep in your natural sleep window or as close to it as possible, that really is going to be the best treatment, so to speak, in my opinion. And of course, so many people who are out there who have delayed sleep phase aren't able to shift their work schedule. So it does become really challenging. And one of the other things I'll say is for folks who do have a delayed sleep phase, sleep our sleep-wake circadian rhythm is one of the biggest circadian rhythms that we have, but we have so many other circadian rhythms that are directly influenced by our sleep-wake circadian rhythm, one of which is meal timing. So, you know, what we find in a lot of folks who have delayed sleep phase and in myself as well, is because my sleep schedule is shifted later, my eating schedule is also shifted later. So by being able to sleep in my natural sleep window, that better helps align my sleep-wake circadian rhythm with my eating fasting circadian rhythm. So I find that that actually helps me feel better as well because I can time my meals with what makes the most sense for my biological clock. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So sounds like it's all related, right? How you sleep, it's all connected. How you eat, how your energy level is, how you feel during the day. It's all connected. And you and I will say, yes, I am gonna be a zombie probably before, you know, 11 a.m. So I, you know, as as a true, you know, delayed sleep phaser, I do feel most productive or most creative usually around like 11 p.m. midnight. I mean, that's sometimes prime time. So it really does become a struggle sometimes to be able to transition to sleep. So I think for myself and for other folks to do have delayed sleep phase, making it a point to really have a wind down routine that doesn't involve being productive or, you know, being creative or focusing on, on the work things and really focusing more on non-stimulating activities, things that promote relaxation is really key to also being able to set the stage for sleep to unfold. Wow. I think that that is another good strategy. So other than, you know, try to set a flexible work time or set up your day based on your own circadian rhythm, really think about before bedtime, right? At that late, what do you do? Because that's so important. Yeah. So for folks who don't have the flexibility to shift their work schedule, or if you have kids that wake you up, you know, right now I'm able to sleep in my natural window, but when I start a family soon, you know, that's probably not going to be possible, right? So of course, sleep is going to change over time. But for those who can't necessarily change their schedule, they have an inflexible schedule. What I would say is one of the biggest things that helped me when I wasn't able to, to choose my schedule was to actually really prioritize that last hour before bed and really try to 
do something that would promote the most relaxation possible. And sometimes that's just reading a book or taking a bath, or sometimes it's just going for um, just a really slow kind of walk, leisure walk outside with the dogs. Or um, sometimes it's even doing some coloring, you know, in, in a coloring book, but really prioritizing that last hour because for folks who, you know, aren't sleepy at that point, you really want to communicate to your brain that, you know, it is time to fall asleep soon. So that I think is, is really important. And also I will say as well, one of the other things that can be helpful for folks who can't really change their schedule or have, don't have much control over it is light therapy. So whether it's natural light, which is going to be more potent, more powerful or artificial light. And of course that depends on, you know, where you live and what time of year it is, but light therapy can actually be really powerful for helping to reset the clock as well. And I know in my experience, when I didn't have control over my work schedule, I tried an artificial light therapy box. And for me, I have to say it, I felt like the, the, I just got really sensitive to the light and it actually wasn't something that I felt I could do on a regular basis. Mm. So what I found was actually going outside and even if it was for five or 10 minutes, but actually getting natural light, sometimes rolling out of bed and just getting outside as best as I could and getting that natural light was more powerful at kind of waking me up, making me feel more alert than say the artificial light box, but everybody is so different. So I know I've had clients over the years that have really benefited from using a light therapy box, you know, and we'll use that to mimic the sun and that really help, you know, them wake up earlier or, you know, feel a little bit better if they have to wake up earlier. So that can certainly be a helpful tool. In my experience, though, I will say natural light was just more powerful for me. Wow, that's a good strategy. So the light, so sounds like it's not only before bedtime what you can do, right, which is important, but also after you wake up that period of time, what can you do? And the light sounds like such a uh, wake-up cue for us. Then my question is, if you just open the curtain, right? Let the lights come in through the window to you because some of my clients often say, oh, my room is, you know, bright enough. I have a big window, so I don't have to go out. Is that the same? It's not the same. It's not the same as much as I wish it, 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 it were, you know, but no, you have to really be outside and, you know, in direct light to really achieve the benefits. And especially when it comes to entraining our circadian rhythm, so meaning like resetting the clock each morning, it is much more powerful to actually be outside in direct light and ideally without sunglasses so that your brain gets the right cues to regulate your circadian rhythm. Okay, yeah. So sounds like that could be a good morning routine, right? If people can operate <laughs> <laughs> that. If you're able to have a morning routine. Yeah, so I will say, you know, back in the day, the, I, 
try to get me to have a morning routine. Yeah, that's just sometimes impossible for for folks who wait, you know, who really struggle with waking up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would say morning routine sometimes for night owls or for those who do have delayed sleep phase is a five minute roll out of bed, get some sunlight you know, grab something to eat type of thing. I mean, you do what you can to make it work, but it doesn't always look like having, you know, a step-by-step outline that I think, you know, a lot of folks these days do try to highlight, which is great if you do have the time for that. But I'd say for most folks who fall into this category of having a delayed sleep phase, it's incredibly difficult sometimes to have a morning routine. Right. So it sounds like, you know, we really need to adjust all those suggestions out there to what we are capable of doing. Right. I can imagine if um, people with this condition keep on hearing from doctors, oh, you need to get up at a certain time, have a standard morning routine that's going to be really helpful. And they are not able to do it day after day. That possibly can be extra stressor. So, so stressful. Yeah. And I have to say, you know, a lot of doctors even have never heard of delayed sleep phase or are not familiar with circadian rhythm disorders. So this often goes overlooked. And I'm sure that they are, you know, giving this advice or these recommendations with, with, you know, good intentions, but it does do the folks a disservice when it really is something that we don't have much control over. And, you know, along those lines, what I will say is for folks who have a delayed sleep phase, it's not that there's a problem with your sleep itself. It's the timing of when you're going to sleep. So it's often that you are trying to go to bed much earlier than your body wants you to. And so sometimes that looks very similar to sleep onset insomnia or having difficulty falling asleep. I see this all the time. You know, folks will come to me really thinking or they have been told that, you know, they have insomnia. And when we really do look at what's going on, it's not that they have insomnia per se. It's that they are trying to go to bed much earlier than their body clock is ready. So sometimes it is a a shifting of that schedule if it's possible. And then of course, it is often a combination of trying some various strategies to manage, you know, having this this delayed schedule. Yeah. Wow. When you mentioned that, I totally relate to what I see. Uh, in my setting, because I live in San Francisco Bay Area. We have a lot of engineers here, young professionals. Many of them, I would say, they do have some flexibilities of their work schedule. They Many of them are able to start work relatively late and uh, work kind of like extra at night, right? So uh, I definitely see those, especially Chinese clients. Uh, I don't know whether you are familiar with Chinese culture. A lot of Chinese parents are super traditional and believing to traditional Chinese medicine and there's certain mm-hmm. clock you have to go to bed so-called being healthy so you have to go to bed by 11 before 11 that's the standard in Chinese culture so I saw a lot of young Chinese folks coming in their parents keep on calling them want to make sure they go to bed before 11 
So they tried, they couldn't fall asleep. They end up having kind of like insomnia coming in for treatment. And sometime after education, if I validate them, they are like a delayed phase, or if they are just uh, lighter than that, just night owl, right? And I notice if they just hear some validation from doctors, from professionals that it's okay to sleep late. It's okay to sleep in your own natural window. Their insomnia just got cured. I know, I know. I completely agree with you. And sometimes it's, you know, as as simple as as saying, you know, I give you permission to sleep in later. Mm-hmm. I give you permission to sleep in your natural window. And sometimes that can be so powerful because they're, you know, a lot of people are not hearing it from their parents or from their friends or from their doctors. So absolutely, you know, just knowing that you can sleep in your window, I think can, can really be life-changing. And, you know, I also will say for most of us, when we are going through puberty and going through our adolescent years, we actually do all tend to have a shift in our biological clock. So many teenagers, many young adults actually can fall into this category of having a delayed sleep phase. Most people will grow out of it, but there are some folks who continue to stay in that delayed window. I'm one of those, Uh, but I would say the majority of the population does end up kind of shifting back into, say, a typical sleep schedule. It's so interesting to me because now I know, especially with you being in California, California is one of the first states to change the school start times for high schoolers. And hopefully that will trickle down, you know, to middle school and elementary school as well. But it makes sense with what we know about how our biological clock does shift during our adolescent years. And so, you know, as you can imagine, for a teenager who is falling asleep around two or three in the morning, but then has to be up at six, 6.30 for school, I mean, they're not getting enough sleep. So just by shifting school times later can, you know, get them some more sleep sleep. And maybe that's still not enough, but I think that's at least a really great step in the right direction. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about this change in uh, California too. I hope eventually it can spread to the whole country. It's just, uh, you know, good for kids and good for their parents, hopefully. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I know when I, um, when I was in high school, my start time was 720. Oh, and so, you know, not falling asleep until 2.33 in the morning, like that was really rough. I had to be up at six, you know, to, to catch the bus and, and all of that. So, so yeah, I definitely think that this is a really powerful um, change that we can make. So yes, I hope most states, if not all states will soon follow in California's footsteps. Yeah, you remind me when I was in high school or junior high, I, I remember every morning my parents wake me up that early. I was irritable. I was angry. <laughs> I had this strong anger upon waking up early. I can absolutely relate to you. And I used to, I kid you not, I used to set probably 20 alarms. Oh, wow. 20 alarms because I would probably sleep through the first 10 or 15 and then would slowly hear, 
you know, the, the, the last few alarms. So it's incredibly difficult to be able to wake up. You know, it's essentially like waking up in the middle of a night of sleep. So this is something I actually share with my clients too. You know, for those who have a quote unquote normal sleep schedule, like 11 to seven, for example, it's, you know, like telling someone who has that schedule to wake up, set an alarm, wake up at 2 a.m., get ready and go to work. Of course, they would feel incredibly exhausted and miserable because they're waking up in the middle of their night. So it's very similar in that sense. You know, for someone who does have a delayed sleep phase, you're waking up in the middle of your night. You're going to feel really groggy, maybe not even feel awake, mentally alert until sometimes hours later. And that can truly be debilitating when it comes to how you perform at school, work, on the job, et cetera. Right. Yeah, I feel sad that a lot of providers nowadays are not familiar with this, right? A lot of um, general public don't know that. When I introduce what I do, I say I treat insomnia. I also treat circadian rhythm disorders. They're like, what, what, what? What's the other thing? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So a lot of people don't know that. I'm curious for people with this condition, uh, first, how can they know for sure they have this, this is a condition need to be treated or it's just for other reasons, actually it's adjustable, right? And how can they get the legit help that's really helpful to them? Fantastic questions. So first and foremost, I would say, you know, there are a couple signs to look out for when it comes to having a delayed circadian phase. And by the way, you know, the way that I see circadian rhythm disorders is is somewhat on a spectrum. So there are folks who are delayed. There are folks who are advanced, like they fall asleep very early. And then there are, you know, folks in between. So when it comes to having a delayed sleep phase, usually that involves the inability to fall asleep at a desired or, or earlier bedtime than the biological clock. But once asleep, you be able to sleep usually through the night. So for folks who have delayed sleep phase and don't have any other sleep disorders in the picture like insomnia or obstructive sleep apnea, usually that means once asleep, you sleep all the way through up until your alarm goes off. And usually there is also an inability to wake up at that desired rise time or that that earlier time. So there's a need to set multiple alarms or there's a need for someone else to try to help wake you up. And I'd say one of the other telltale signs of having delayed sleep phase is actually experiencing daytime sleepiness. So having the ability to take naps during the day on a regular basis or actually dozing off during the day, which of course can be a safety concern. So when we think about delayed sleep phase, it is actually considered uh, under the umbrella of experiencing chronic sleep deprivation. And what we know about sleep deprivation is that it can actually cause excessive daytime sleepiness. So that's, you know, taking naps during the day on a regular basis. And typically, I would say for folks who truly fall into this category, I'm not talking 20, 30 minute naps. I'm talking two, three, four hour naps, where it's not even necessarily a nap per se, it becomes its own sleep period. Mm 
So there is a very long nap time in these folks and also may find that they doze off during the day. Like if they're at their desk, if they're in a meeting, it becomes really hard to fight that sleep. And I would also say another sign of delayed sleep phase is a shifted eating schedule. So I know for myself and for most folks who who relate, um, will have their first meal typically at what everyone else considers their lunch time. So things are sh shifted much later. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I'll say is typically with a, a delayed sleep phase, you can sleep a normal amount of hours. It's just usually at a later time or when you have the opportunity to sleep in your natural sleep window. Mm, wow. So there's quite several signals, right? Uh, or warning signs. We can really do some self-check to see whether there's something alarming enough and that we've been dealing with it, uh, I guess, for a while, then to really consider seeking help. Absolutely. And, and if you are you know, struggling to figure out whether you might fall into this category, I would say the best thing to do is to really seek out a sleep specialist who is also very aware of circadian rhythm disorders, because there are a lot of sleep doctors who are very much just focused on sleep apnea. And sleep apnea is, you know, it, it, it's a very serious medical condition as well. But you really do want to find a, a sleep specialist who understands the complexities of circadian rhythm disorders so that they can really help you tease apart whether you do in fact fall into this category or if it's insomnia, you know, if it's sleep onset insomnia or if it's something else or a combination of, of different sleep issues. So really seeking a, a qualified sleep specialist with knowledge in circadian rhythm disorders is key. And also I will say with that, one of the things, you know, that I think is really important to know for everyone is how the sleep community thinks about our different sleep windows or our different phases of sleep. And it is very much from an evolutionary perspective. So, you know, if you think back to the cavemen hunter-gatherer days, mm -hmm. as a species, we couldn't have afforded to all be asleep at the exact same time, or we wouldn't have survived. So we couldn't all be asleep from 11 to seven. It wouldn't have worked that way. So we, you know, there was always somebody up at all times of the day versus night in order to protect the tribe or to, you know, watch the tribe. So in the sleep world, we do believe that we've evolved to have these unique shifts in our circadian clock so that there are these different windows. It's just our you know, current world where now we're very much, you know, this nine to five is it type of philosophy. And that just doesn't necessarily translate from an evolutionary perspective. Mm, that totally makes sense. So I think possibly it's very important message for people who struggling with this condition, right? That to, to know it's very normal and there are a group of people who have similar uh, sleep windows. It just naturally that way. And there's a evolutionary reason for that. So uh, if someone has this condition, they are not broken. They're not broken. They're not broken. And I will tell you, 
you know, you heard it here first. I'm, I'm a sleep doctor and I have a circadian rhythm disorder and you are not broken. There are so many ways that you can manage this. It does take some time. It does take getting to a point of being able to have flexibility in your schedule, but there is hope. You know, there are things that you can do out there. And with that, I will also say one of my favorite resources when it comes to circadian rhythm disorders is the Circadian Sleep Disorders Network. I would say that's one of the most evidence-based, science-backed resource that I've been able to find online. They have a lot of amazing references, resources, they talk about treatment. They also, you know, share some of the things that have worked for folks who have a delayed sleep phase. Um, again, that's the Circadian Sleep Disorders Network. So if you um, Google that, it will pop up. And that's my favorite resource. I always point my clients to that as well. Um, of course, in addition to, you know, what is recommended on an individual basis, because you do want to personalize treatment, but there are many things um, that you can do. And so that's a great resource. And also the Society of Behavioral Sleep Medicine is also another great resource. Um, so the SBSM is a community of sleep specialists who really, I would say the primary specialty is insomnia. So most folks on the directory, they do provide insomnia treatment, but a lot of the specialists through the SBSM are also very skilled and trained in circadian rhythm disorders. And that can also be a great resource to find a specialist near you um, because they're, I would say it's actually a worldwide directory there, you know, you can click on the top and you can search for your location and you'll have uh, a list of folks to get in contact with. Great, wonderful resources. I think that can really, you know, whoever listening out there, right? If you or you know someone who are struggling with similar symptoms and then check out these resources, uh, no matter you are someone who prefer reading something to guide yourself or you think you prefer talking to someone to really get one-on-one -on -one guidance, there are enough resources out there. These are legit resources, I would say. And yeah. right, people are board certified there and they are well-trained. They really know what they are doing. Yes, it's important to seek out a qualified sleep specialist. So, so yes, there are resources, there, there is help available. Um, and yeah, certainly know you're not alone. For all my fellow night owls out there, I'm with you. I can absolutely relate and understand. I know how miserable it can feel. And I want you to know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. So um, if our audience want to find more about your work or if they want to actually find, seek your professional help, how can they find you? Yeah, so you can find me on most social platforms at Dr. Sarah Sleep. Um, and I would say I'm the most active on Instagram and LinkedIn, um, but that varies from time to time. But, but I would say you can definitely contact me there. If you do want more information, I'm always happy to be a resource to folks. So even if I can't necessarily help you based on location, um, 
I can definitely try to point you in the right direction and try to find someone that's more local to you. So definitely feel free to reach out um, at Dr. Sarah Sleep. And on that same note, I will also be launching a few courses later this year, one of which I'm really excited about. It is going to be for folks who have delayed sleep phase. So I think it's actually, to my knowledge, going to be one of the only self-paced online courses out there that's going to be specifically for these folks um, because I I'm so passionate about it, given that, you know, I've experienced it on a personal note and it's going to be more of an educational course, but that really compiles all the information that we know so far and all of the resources that we do have available all in one place. So if you are interested in that or you want more information, definitely send me a message too. you know, that will be launching hopefully um, before the end of the year. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. I will put all this information on the show notes and also in the description box, right underneath the show. So whoever listening, uh, it's easy for them to find your information, go to your website and just, uh, you know, hopefully they can get notified and maybe you should come back next year to really talk more about your course to make sure yes, people can really benefit that. I would love that. Yeah, that's the only course I heard so far uh, out there about that. I think it's going to be so helpful. Thank you. Thank you. I, I do hope so. I believe it will be um, because it's it's definitely needed. You know, this is an area where so many folks are struggling and um, I hope it, it it does help so many folks out there. So definitely stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Silverman, for coming to share your personal experience and give us set a, such a good role model, I think, such a inspiration, hopefully, for a lot of audience, right? There's hope. There are lots of things you can do. You can still live a very meaningful, fulfilling life, even if you have delayed circadian rhythm. Yes, you can. Thank you so much for having me. So this is today's conversation. Do you know anyone who had DSPS? If you do, leave a comment, let me know. If you like today's episode, please consider leaving an honest review for my podcast. Reviews can really help this podcast grow and reach out to more people. I really appreciate your time. I'm Dr. Ishan, and I will see you next time. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk, and our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed.